What's up? Welcome back to another episode of So Good So Far podcast. I'm Nicole. I'm Jackie. And I hope everyone's having a great week. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are, we have a fantastic episode today that we recorded um, last week. So we'll be going into that shortly. But before we do that, um, how's, what's been going on with your week? It's good. I just started work this week, which has been so nice, and the added structure to my life has just changed me immensely. Yeah. Except um, I've been so anxious about, like, getting up every morning because Mm. I've been going to bed at, like, 5 a.m. pretty much the entire time I've been unemployed. So I've just been really anxious about getting up on time and going to sleep on time, and I've been waking up, like way earlier than I need to mm-hmm. and so I have not been getting a lot of sleep because I've just been so anxious about it and then last night my, my body was like I've had it for the past six months you've been getting eight hours of sleep so what the fuck's going on you're gonna fall asleep now at 7 30 p.m and wake up at 7 30 a.m so last well, night I got 12 hours of sleep that sounds pretty nice <laughs> pretty nice what about you what's been going on it's been for so some reason, good? I wanted to be like, it's been so good <laughs> so far. Um, it's been so good so far. It's been a wild week. I'm going to be starting a new, different job. <laughs> um, long story, but it's just um, kind of a, a change that I needed to make. So once again, I am <laughs> transitioning between jobs with no break. But it's great. I'm thankful to be employed. I, I think I'm going to a place where I really feel... Like, it's the best fit for me, so I'm feeling a, a ton of relief. Um, other than that, just been trying to get back on back on top of my life. <laughs> Things have been really out of control lately, and I feel like I'm finally kind of starting to get it back together, so it's been good. Yep. Well, we'll keep this short. We have, like I said, a fantastic episode today with a really great guest. We are talking about skincare and living in LA and working in modeling and acting. And it's just a super informative, really, really interesting episode. So we'll be right back with that. All right, so we are back with our guest for the day. He is a model, an actor, and a photographer. Please welcome to the podcast, Mark Young. Hello, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you on. I've been thinking about having you on for so long because you just have so much knowledge in so many different areas and everything you do for work is just so cool. So I just met you, you, but you seem cool too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You seem cool as well. (laughs) Well, we'll just jump right in. So Tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how old you are, what you do for work, all that good stuff. Yes. So my name is Mark Young. I am 23 and I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and then moved to Los Angeles almost four years ago now. So I moved in 2017 in May, but I actually didn't know Nicole when I was in Denver. I actually met her after I moved to LA through mutual friends in LA that were also from Denver. So that was a funny, you know, run around to meeting Nicole, but that's how we became acquainted. So I moved out to LA to do acting and modeling. I actually started as a photographer. So that was my first gig in the city. And then I've just been sort of working in the industry ever since I got here. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. Um, how did how did you get into photography? I I mean I've always liked taking photos and I I just would take landscape photos for fun. Like honestly, I started in middle school just taking photos on a little Fujifilm camera, and then in high school I got into this little business of shooting people's senior pictures. Um, you know my classmates and things like that. And then after high school, I I took a gap year before I moved to LA, and I was shooting a lot of portrait sessions and photo shoots for people just in general. So that's when I kind of perfected the craft. And um, then when I moved to LA, I started working with an agency actually like right away, which is very rare. (laughs) If you move to LA, you know, Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to get an agency, but I took a trip to LA and somebody that I had met on Instagram started up her own digital agency. So I ended up working with her as soon as I got there as a photographer. So I started to do brand work for, 
you know, like e-commerce and web web commerce. So like a fitness brand, I would shoot all the photos of the models on their website, you know, and things like that. So that's kind of how I started with photography in LA. Cool. That's awesome. So then how did you go from that to getting in to being on the modeling side of it? So the goal, I guess you could say for moving to LA was not to do photography. It was actually to do modeling and acting. Mm -hmm. So I just had been doing photography because it was fun and it was making me a little bit of money, but I, I did know that I wanted to be doing acting and modeling. So it was kind of a perfect segue because, you know, through being a photographer, I knew all of these other photographers, you know, one day I was just like, oh, Hey, photographer friends, by the way, I want to do modeling. And then basically I started doing a bunch of test shoots with all the photographers that I knew. And then once I had built enough of a portfolio, my Instagram started growing and the brand started reaching out. And then eventually I got an agency. Yeah. Uh, So did you kind of build up your Instagram to be your portfolio? Yes. And it's weird that you say that because the industry has very much changed with the rise of Instagram and social media. It used to be that like, your book, quote unquote, was an actual physical book that you had paper copies of photos in that you would take to agencies. And that has kind of died completely to where like, yeah, your Instagram really is your portfolio and your book. And I went to countless agencies, the biggest ones, LA Models, Wilhelmina, Next, all of them initially were like, hey, we like your look, but come back when you have 10K on Instagram. That's just what they would say. So It was, it was like a requirement for this agency to have 10,000 followers because it's become a thing of like, can we market you, but can you also market yourself? And if we were working with you, do you have enough followers that like, if you booked a brand, you would be able to post for them and it's all tied into that now. So yeah, my Instagram was my portfolio. Yeah. And it's in a lot of the contracts that I do now. I just did a shoot where it was a day rate for the day, which is normal. And then um, exposure is also part of the contract, which is I am required to post two photos of their, you know, of the shoot we did on my Instagram feed mm-hmm. to give their brand exposure, basically. So that's kind of they tie mm-hmm. in. And obviously, if you have more followers, the rate for that is a lot higher because they're getting a larger audience. So, OK, yeah. so right. you're almost like an influencer and a model. Yeah, um, yeah, a little bit. And I, I do some influencing stuff just solely influencing that's not considered modeling but it's just like you know brand collaborations but I prefer Mm -hmm. actual modeling work to that because I don't know it a lot of the influencer stuff seems a little superficial to me and it's just like selling a product versus making something artistic so yeah yeah. oh I see (laughs) that totally makes sense that's like something I did never think of where it's totally Mm -hmm. different when you're working with a photographer who's like this is their craft and as a model it's your craft Mm -hmm. and when it's just I mean not Mm -hmm. to like no shade to influencers at all but there's a different there's a a level of elevation that comes with that photographer model relationship and like the art of that there's like there's different types of influencers you know there's influencers that really care and then there's influencers like you said that are just like selling a product that it's like you know I have people like that muted because it's just it's not fun to go on Instagram and somebody who maybe is your friend or you like their photos and then they come on and they're like hey guys I have this product that I know nothing about and you should go use my discount code because I make money from it and right. you know you can tell the difference or if it's like a brand like i when i do influencing stuff i try to do brands that i actually like and have used like i do a lot of skincare brands because i can try it out and if i like it then i can actually have decent insight about it to say versus just like i don't know somebody paid me to post this you know right right yeah and i feel like if there's something that you care a lot about like you care a lot about skincare then you're going to mm-hmm. know a lot about it and give a recommendation that has a lot of thought and education behind it. Whereas if you're just getting paid to promote something that you don't really care or know anything about, then feels kind of, uh, yeah, like not as authentic. Yeah. Yeah, Not authentic. Yeah. So, so you said you really care about skincare. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? Well, I got, I guess you could say I got into skincare because I kind (laughs) of had to (laughs) initially it wasn't for modeling. Like now I do skincare because of modeling, but like I, in high school, I was struggling with like borderline cystic acne, major forehead breakouts, just all over my face was like very painful acne. 
So I, I basically wanted to try everything to figure out, you know, what to clear that up. And I was, I was trying like a new moisturizer, like every week and like a new serum and I wasn't very educated, but I was trying to figure out what products would work. And I was doing research on the internet. So as that kind of grew and I perfected my skincare routine, I was able to clear up the acne and also in the process did a lot of research on like the chemistry of skincare to where now I kind of know all the specific parts of skincare and how to address redness and how to address hyperpigmentation and how to address all of these things that are kind of the next level of skincare after you Mm -hmm. clear up acne. And just so that listeners know... Mark's skin yeah. is like beautiful. <laughs> Mark's skin is literally perfect. So it's well, working. Thank you. So yeah, but that's just the beginning of everything. But I can definitely talk more about the skincare that I use and all of the products that I use yes. um, a bit later. Yes, we'll go into that more. So kind of going back to just your your transition from moving from Denver out to LA, which is definitely a big transition and you were pretty young. Did you mm-hmm. feel like that transition was difficult or did you feel like that's where you always wanted to be? And you finally felt like you were in your place. Yes. So this is like, this is like a double answer because it it's interesting. Like I always wanted to live in California my whole life. Cali boy at heart, you know, like <laughs> just loved California and obviously like wanted to be in LA for the industry and acting and modeling. And ever since I was in fourth grade, I did like a random somebody at my school went a sweepstakes that we were in like a high school musical music video. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So ever since fourth grade, I was like, I want to be in LA to do acting and that stuff. So I always wanted to do it, but that didn't necessarily make the transition any easier. Like it was still a very hard transition. And I think the thing that kept me in the city was the fact that I did want to be here so bad. But the actual process of moving was very difficult because like you said, I did move out here when I was pretty young. I was 19. And when I moved, it was like the first time that I'd ever been out of the house, ever had to pay rent, ever had to like do anything. And I was kind of cut off of a lot of things. So I I started to pay my own everything basically for my life. Um, I had to find health insurance when I got out here. So it was a very hard transition. And on top of that, I didn't know anybody in the city besides the girl that I had moved out there with. It was a lot of uptake at once of learning how to live by myself and shop for groceries and also meeting people and also trying to find a job like (laughs) to pay my rent. So yeah, all said and done, that strong desire to be in the city kind of, you know, for everybody, it's a hard city to survive in. There's a reason why so many people leave. Rent is so high. Like, you know, people who don't really want to be here don't really stick around. So I guess I really wanted to be here. So I made it work. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Cause it feels like it's kind of like cutthroat place to be. So do you want to talk a little bit about like the culture where, was there anything that you were like, Oh, I wasn't expecting this or like this, this Mm -hmm. is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, what was that like? Yeah. Well, you know, this from being from Colorado, how like people are so nice in Colorado and in Denver and you can see a stranger on the street and say hello, but it's a lot different in LA. Um, I ran into some pretty nasty people here. So it was interesting because I went into every situation with this sort of like, you know, I had a good heart and I wanted to like be open and I was very naive in how much people were going to take advantage of that. So as far as being cutthroat, here's the thing. Every major city is can be like that and can have elements of that. You know, you go to New York, you go to Chicago, people say like, oh, big city life, you know, big city drama, whatever. But the unique part about L.A. is that there is big city drama and then also industry drama. So it's people who are in a big city environment and also are trying to be a model or an actor and compete with their neighbors for gigs. There's a lot more of that like stepping stone mentality here of like you look at every friendship as are they a stepping stone and can they get me where I want to go which is unfortunate because for a lot of people like me I'm not necessarily you know that's a benefit sometimes of like knowing people in the industry and I definitely use that but there are a lot of people who specifically look for friends for those reasons and a lot of times starting out I was the person who was just like nice and thought I had a good friend and then realized like six months in that they just wanted a 
photo shoot out of me, you know? So yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to navigate. And I went through like four or five groups of friends before I found people who weren't doing that to me. So a tricky, a tricky thing for sure. It seems like people in LA are very focused on networking. I, I think this is all big mm-hmm. cities, but they're very focused on networking yeah. more than like making friends. And when you first mm-hmm. move to a new city, you're going to want to make new friends. And you're not really thinking so much about like networking as like, I need to find Mm -hmm. real connections or I'm not going to survive here. Absolutely. And that was the tricky thing because there are people here and in any city that do want to make genuine friendships, but people put up that nice facade. Like I forget, there's like a saying, like everybody in LA is nice, but not everybody in LA is going to be your friend. And it's so true because like people, you know, you meet anybody and just because people know that like they want to make a good impression on people for their brand or whatever, they're nice to you. And they, a lot of times will pretend like they like you or pretend like they care what you're doing so that they can get something out of that interaction. So it's hard to sift through like, is this person being nice to me because of that? Or because they actually want to be my friend, which is a weird thing. Cause I'm just used to like, if somebody's nice to me, clearly they want to be my friend, but yeah. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, that's always, the answer is always that they want to be friends, you know? Exactly. And if somebody doesn't want to be friends in Denver, you'll know. (laughs) Right. And usually it means that they're not from Colorado. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. So that is one thing I miss for sure. Yeah. Have you, I missed it too. Cause I, I lived in DC and then I moved back to Colorado and okay. like the same way. Cause I was like, I've heard a little bit about DC as well. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a similar. tricky thing. Instead of like industry drama, you got like political drama. It's like career yeah. drama and it's like, it's cutthroat, but the career is just different. The industry is different. So, and I moved back here because I, I miss the people being friendly, like during COVID, but mm-hmm. like, I also yeah. moved there on a whim, whereas like LA was something where you're like, oh, I really want to move here. I feel like That's I belong true. there. If you want to move to a big city, it has to be somewhere where it's like, this is really what I want to do for myself, mm-hmm. not for a job, Absolutely. not for someone else. It has to be something for yourself. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned like COVID and everything and moving back home because especially in LA, so many people, so many people moved out of LA during quarantine never to return, you know, and it was that like the people who had moved out here on a whim or the people who had, you know, they didn't really have anything that was like keeping them in the city, whatever. Like as soon as they lost a job or as soon as they lost their social life here, they were like, no reason to be here. Like, I'm just going to move back home or it's, you know, it's too hard. I can't pay rent if I'm not working. And so I'm just going to get out of here. So a lot of people did that. And um, that's why rent dropped so much because there were so many vacancies, like all of a sudden. And that's actually how I got Mm -hmm. into my current apartment because there were just so many units available all over the city of people who had just packed up and left. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've been hearing is like a ton of people are moving out of big cities after COVID. So Mm, yeah, was your modeling pretty affected by COVID at first? Yeah. So the whole industry, like the industry, basically, I mean, the industry is controlled by SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild, um, you know, that sets wages and basically controls all the sets in Los Angeles as far as filming goes. And they basically, you know, announced the industry shut down. I mean, COVID guidelines aside, nothing was shooting. And it makes sense, like, because acting and modeling is a very specific job. It's one of the few jobs that you have to do it without a mask on because, you can't film a movie with everybody having masks on. You can't do a photo shoot for e-commerce with the model having a mask on because it's just like, that's not how it goes. People need content with no masks on, you know, like if all the Netflix shows that came out in quarantine, everybody had masks on. If the story was like a 1950s piece and everybody had masks on, it would be like, what? This is not 1950s. It kind of takes you out of the actual, you know, what they're filming. So yeah, for a while, for about, I would say like eight months, There was not a job in sight and I was just on unemployment kind of waiting it out. Luckily, the unemployment was pretty good to where like I was able to survive here while I wasn't working. And now that the industry is back open, there's a lot of backlog basically of, you know, production companies that have gotten a budget for the year and it's gone unused because they haven't been filming. And now they're like, we need to crank out six shows 
by the end of the year because like that's what's going to maintain Netflix or Disney or Hulu stock because they have new content that that's basically what the struggle is because it's the weird thing is I'm working so much actually I've worked like almost every day in February this this month because you they can't have a lapse of content you know like they did they weren't filming for eight months but people are not going to keep their Netflix subscriptions if nothing is released for an eight month chunk of time just because they weren't making it so they're making like hundreds of shows at once right now to like catch up. So, so wow. yeah. there's a lot of sets. Yeah. But. And, and that makes sense what you said about the mask thing, because I feel like what people wanted was an escape from mm-hmm. everyday life. And they didn't want to be reminded of exactly. COVID when they're watching something, exactly. looking mm-hmm. at a model. So yeah. Yeah. COVID aside, yeah. what would you say just in general is like, are some of the hardest parts about working in the industry and then like what are Mm -hmm. some of your favorite parts so hardest parts like I said obviously is like the networking thing and finding good people whatever um but as far as workflow I think a lot of people who have this idea of Hollywood and this glamorous thing of like you know once you book a decent gig you're like set it's hard to work consistently meaning like I did a shoot for L'Oreal And that was like a day rate that, you know, paid my bills for the month, but like then the gig was over and that was it. And a lot of people have this idea that's like, oh, wow, I saw you on a L'Oreal shoot. So you're like famous and you're like set for life, you know? And it's like, no, like I was set for a month yeah, and then they stopped paying me from that. So like I have to go and find other work. So it's the constant, like technically being unemployed all the time and looking for work to stay relevant and stay working and pay your bills. So you have to have a job interview like more than once a month. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, if I have like three to four auditions a week, so it's like oh, three to four okay. job interviews. Never mind. Week, you know? Yeah, that's like, way more. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's like I'm always interviewing for a job because a lot of times they're just day things. And obviously, the goal is to book a main character on a you know a Netflix show that is working for a couple seasons because then you have consistent work for a while, and those usually pay a lot more. So the more exposure you get, the easier it is to go between gigs. But when you're working low paying gigs day to day, it's like, it's definitely a grind. But that being said, favorite part of the industry is probably the fact that like, I'm never doing the same thing. Like I personally, I, I couldn't work a nine to five and I couldn't work a retail job again, just because it's the same thing every single day versus like what I do now. I'm never on the same set. I'm never working with the same people. I'm never like portraying the same thing. You know, one day it's like 1950s and then the next set, it's like a jewelry brand. And then the next day we're like at the beach shooting, shooting swimwear or something, you know, but it's always something new. So it's, it's been fun. Cause I've actually gotten to like, even just explore the city by like the amount of locations that I've worked in. So that's a really cool. cool. So how do you like maintain a routine yourself? If you have a different schedule every day? Mm-hmm. It was hard at first because I constantly thought that like days off were like wasted days because I should be working or, but now I'm kind of content with the days that I have in between. Cause you're it's, it is hard to have a routine because a lot of times if you're working on a set, especially like for a Netflix show, if you're doing background or doing whatever, it's like a whole day thing. It's like 12 hours or so that you're on a set. So that's really your day. It's interesting that you say though, because I think the culture in LA matches that meaning like I'll say hey want to come over for a movie on Friday I might book a gig but if I don't we can plan it you know and so people are just kind of like they they understand that like a lot of plans are loose and if you book a gig that's obviously more important or if you have an audition you know a lot of times like you'll just check in on the day and like hey are you still free yeah let's do it or like sorry I have an audition or I booked work but that's the other thing is like the the stereotype and the stigma that like people in LA are very flaky is kind of pretty true because you kind of have to be. And even myself, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't, I can't say like, Hey, let's go to coffee on Friday morning and then just set aside my entire day just for a coffee date. Cause it's like, if I, if my agent sends me an audition or I book a job for Friday, obviously I'm going to do it. I can't just be like, no, sorry, I have coffee in the morning because yeah. it's like, <laughs> that's not an important thing to cancel work for. So 
a lot of times it is flaky of like, sorry, I can't do coffee anymore versus like, you know, if you have a nine to five, you know that at 530, you're going to be available for dinner. And if you cancel, it's for another reason that maybe is foreseeable. But a lot of the reasons in LA for canceling are not foreseeable until the day of, you know, you get an audition or something. So it's just like, it's hard to navigate, but people understand, you know? Yeah. Because that's like your work, you know, it's like, they know Mm -hmm. that you don't have a set work schedule. And so it's like, mm-hmm. for us, I would never book a coffee date at 10 30 in the morning because I have a job that exactly. I work nine to five. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you're like, well, I'm not going to make absolutely set in stone plans because mm-hmm. work could come up, but you don't have a set schedule. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little different. So is it hard to, what about like commitments to yourself? Like working out, I'm sure that you mm. work out regu- mm-hmm. regularly. Jackie's yeah. like from the look of it, from the look of it, you seem like <laughs> <laughs> so like, how do yeah. you keep that commitment to yourself? Because I mean, I don't even have a job and I find it hard to keep that commitment. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, it's interesting because there's like, there's almost like a ranking system in my head of like things that are important that I must, must do. The gym is one of them because I think for a lot of people, like, let's say you worked a 10 hour day, you got home, you were super tired and you hadn't made it to the gym and you were like, oh, it's fine. I'll just go tomorrow or something. That decision is not necessarily going to affect you anyway, because like you're going to roll into work the next day regardless. But I think for me, I have this thing in the back of my head of like, if I miss the gym and I do that consistently and I'm okay with missing the gym, my work is going to suffer because my body is suffering. You know, even if I do have like a 12 hour day on set, if I get off and the gym is still open, I'm going to be going, even if I am dead tired, because it is that extra mile of like, if I do want to be a successful model, I have to be maintaining my body as much as every other model in LA. Cause there's always somebody who's hotter. There's always somebody who's better looking, who has a better body. So not that that's, you know, going to make me self-conscious, but I do have that in the back of my head of like, I can't expect to just say I'm too tired for the gym and work the types of jobs that I want to be working because a lot of the modeling stuff that I book is dependent on my body, you know? And so mm. it's more of like a work thing. Like g- going to the gym is like going to work for me. So yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I definitely like always, I was just thinking about this. I always see you post like just got off a 12 hour shoot day, 12 hours on the set. And I still have to go to the gym and I'm like, yeah. Oh, he's really doing it. I literally yeah. didn't do anything today and I still haven't hit the gym. I don't even know yeah. what a gym is. So <laughs> I think you're super dedicated. Like I also remember a time Mm. when I was out in LA and we were all wanting to go out and you came over for like an hour and you were like, I have to go because I have a shoot in the morning and like, I can't drink because I don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. break out or be this and that. Cause when you, when you drink, you wake Mm -hmm. up and your body's just like, ew. And I have to be fresh tomorrow. I have to be, not only do I have to feel good, I also have to look good. And like, Mm. I can't go out for a night of drinking because of that, even though that is the hard thing. Yeah. 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 It's funny because. LA has like this reputation of like, you know, a party city, but absolutely a lot of the people should not be partying because they have mm-hmm. your job it's, to think oh of. My, the amount of people who I'm like, you were out until how late and you have a shoot in the morning, you know, like it is interesting because there's two kind of cultures here. Yes, it is a very much a party city, but yeah, like Nicole was saying, like a lot of people can go out, drink, be hungover in the morning and just like roll out of bed and roll into work doesn't necessarily matter if you look bad because you're still going to like be able to do your desk job or whatever it is. But for me, like if I were to roll into a call time for a photo shoot and I like looked hungover and had a breakout because I was drinking, like they would not be happy about that, you know? So yeah, it is a thing of like, I do have to like actually look rested for my job. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who do both of like partying really hard and then just like kind of skating by with their work. But I think the difference that separates a lot of people who work here is a lot of people who I know that are working consistently and doing really big projects are not those partier folks. You know, the the people who party are working to pay rent and kind of skating by and just kind of in the city bouncing around, like especially like, you know, West Hollywood is a big scene here for the gay community. And it's kind of understood that people who like go out in West Hollywood all the time are not necessarily grinding for a, a lot else. Sometimes they are, but it's just like a lot of people who I know that are dedicated to their job and who are booking really big projects are the ones who are going to bed 
at nine on a Friday, you know, because <laughs> it's just kind yeah. of what you have to do. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. So, yeah, we can kind of go back into a little bit more about like the way that you take care of yourself and how it's not just, I mean, obviously you take care of yourself. You, you do your skincare routine, you exercise, you eat super healthy. How do you feel like that has improved obviously your work, but also your life and like what makes that so important to you outside of work? Yeah. Well, I think for anybody living a healthy lifestyle, having a healthy body is amazing for your mental health, (laughs) whether or not you're a model, whether or not you do acting stuff, like it is important to be working out and eating right because it makes you feel good and it makes you have energy and that's great. So now almost like, yeah, I work out for the gym, but it's almost like a mental health thing. Like I go to the gym because I know that if I don't go to the gym, I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm like depressed because I just haven't, you know, gotten those endorphins going in a while. So it sort of melds into like your lifestyle of like, I know that I feel good when I do this. And same with the eating thing. Like I don't eat dairy at all because number one reason is because it breaks me out horribly. That was part of the driving force. Yeah. It's part of the driving force of my cystic acne of like, I was eating dairy and it was wrecking my hormones and wrecking my face. So I cut that out for that reason, but now eating dairy free for a couple of years, it's been like, oh, and I actually also feel great, you know? So why would I stop doing that? Even if I wasn't breaking out from it, you know? So it's also pretty easy. It's so easy, especially now, especially if you live in a city, there are so many dairy free options. You could have any dairy product under the rainbow that would be exactly the same dairy free. So mm-hmm. yeah, totally. What does your skincare routine look like? Yeah. Drop the skincare. Oh, I'm going to go through it. So here's the thing. Yes. It's like, <laughs> To start out, I get I get people all the time who like they see my skin on Instagram or what on an ad and they're like, oh wow, I want skin like that. And they hit me up and they're like, Can you suggest one ten dollar serum that I'm gonna use to get skin like yours? And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I, I can recommend one thing, but like I can't I I can't recommend one thing that's gonna get you really good skin. If you do want really good skin, you have to have all the pieces together. Same thing of like, oh, but I love cheese too much. And I'm like, okay, well then eating cheese to you is more important than not breaking out. And that's fine. But it's like, it's, it's all kind of a decision. So my skincare routine, first of all, I will say like from the inside out, it's drinking water, it's getting sleep. It's not eating dairy. It's avoiding sugar and processed carbs. It's not eating red meat because I don't eat that either. All those things are like what I do inside to keep my skin okay. I take like supplements, you know, skincare, vitamins, whatever. But as far as routine goes, I shower, I cleanse my face, I exfoliate my face, and then I do a, a snail mucin sheet mask. And then I will ice my face with an ice cube, which just like I let it melt all over my skin until it's gone. And that helps with like redness and scarring and inflammation. It also helps my products later absorb better. So then after that, I use a benzoyl peroxide serum, which helps with the acne. I use a peptide eye cream and a ceramide eye cream. And then I use a niacinamide and zinc serum. And then I use a retinol serum. And then I use a botanical oil and then I use a rose oil (laughs) and then I use a peptide moisturizer as well as Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I use a glycolic moisturizer as well on top of that. And then I'll go back with spot treatment uh, with like a camphor, maybe a drying lotion if I have to. And then I sleep on my back to prevent my serums from wiping off onto my pillows so that they are on my face the whole night. Yeah, that's the night time. <laughs> you do that every night besides the one Monday, Wednesday, Friday I do that, thing? Yeah. Well, every single night I do you that put every an night. ice cube on your face? Every oh, night. every single night, yeah. And every I morning. I do the ice so cube when I thing wake too, up, though. Mm-hmm. I literally wash my when face I, maybe one night a week. Mm-hmm. Nicole has never had like really bad acne. I haven't, which mm-hmm. is, I'm like so thankful yeah. for. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I've yeah. Had, it's never been like, so bad but it's been like pretty moderate you know throughout mm-hmm. my life and I finally yeah. like feel like I've gotten under control like within the last yeah two your months, skin looks maybe. great thank you I just started using something <laughs> mm-hmm. new but um it's so shiny it's so smooth thanks. yeah because like, I mm. I use oil too I don't really use like moisturizer yeah. much I do use a moisturizer okay. but I need to like put oil on top of that because I mean you know how dry Colorado is and I mm, already have yeah, dry skin yeah. 
as long as because the so the chemistry of this is oil goes in between your skin cells and through your skin member like through your cell membranes and moisturizes that way moisturizers have humectants in them that like actually lock in moisturizers or moisture. So if you're using just an oil, a lot of times it will moisturize the cells, but not prevent water escape from your skin. The way to like maintain your moisture barrier, which is like how you stay less irritated is like, yes, use an oil. And then also just like pop a moisturizer on over that. Oh, and so you're you probably use gonna be super shiny. First. And then the moisturizer. I use an oil first and then a moisturizer. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you can, you can play around with order, but as long as you have both in there, because a lot of people just use an oil and they don't think that they need moisturizer and oils moisturize the skin, but they don't prevent that water loss that you just have constantly from, you know, perspiration and respiration. So as long as you're like putting those two together, that's great. Yeah. I like to put them together. But What kind of oil did you say you use again? Rose? I use... Yeah, I use rose oil um, and I also use a botanical oil called the Caldera Serum, which it's like, it's a bunch of stuff. It's like marigold and jasmine, just a bunch of plants that I can't even think of off the top of my head. But um, yeah, yeah, oils are really good for your skin. But also the other thing too, in the morning, I have another morning skincare routine. I use vitamin C in the morning along with the niacinamide because vitamin C helps protect against oxidative damage and free radical damage throughout the day. And then my biggest thing that I can say through all of this is face sunscreen every single day, face sunscreen, face sunscreen. (laughs) So do Um, you, I I feel like for like even mm -hmm. straight men who are watching this and who like don't talk about skincare, Mm -hmm. I really feel like they could benefit. The one thing that they could benefit from. If you don't have to do all the oils, you don't have to do all the serums, but the one product you should be using is face sunscreen. There are so many skin problems that are tied to sun damage, hyperpigmentation, redness, rosacea, and wrinkles being the main thing. A lot of people don't realize that the number one cause of wrinkles and eye wrinkles is not smiling and it's not doing all that. It's actually like sun exposure. That's my biggest thing. And I've, I've also been using like, things like this since I was like 17 or 18. Like I've been using eye creams since I was like 17 and people are always like, Oh, why are you using an eye cream? You're so young. You don't need it. And I'm like, exactly. And I won't need it when I'm like 30 because I've been using it for like the last 10 years, you know, cause yes, straight men listen up. Um, when you get to 50 and you have deep set wrinkles, you're not going to be able to just hit up somebody and be like, what serum can you use to fix these? The The answer is going to be, (laughs) yeah, the answer is going to be, you should have worn sunscreen for the past 20 years. Like, you know, they're like start a retirement fund. And we're like, wear sunscreen now as an investment. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's all an investment. It's the Korean model. Like the Korean model for skincare is prevention rather than treatment. I feel like in America, it's like, oh, you didn't do anything for your skin and now you're 40 and you have wrinkles, get Botox, you know, like, yeah, which, yeah that's like good. But a lot of people use fillers and Botox and laser treatments and really invasive forms of skincare to fix damage that they could have addressed with, you know, gentler products that they just decided not to. So yeah, I definitely would recommend um, using stuff now versus trying to fix issues later. Yeah. Like fireproofing a house. Why would you wait for a fire to start and then put it (laughs) out? There's already damage done. How about you just like, don't start a fire in the first place, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So true. Why don't you put in those non-flammable materials now? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Super useful. Where, how did you learn so much about it? Like what, how did you go about gaining all this information? Cause you know, like the chemistry there's, mm -hmm. I mean, do you just like watch YouTube videos? Like, how do you know? I mean, I, I was super into chemistry in high school anyway. So it just interested me, but yeah, I just would do hours and hours of research on the internet, YouTube videos, articles from every corner of the internet also like conflicting articles. Cause I wanted to know what was real. Like there's so many articles of like, which products can you not mix or which products can you mix? Like, can you mix retinol and vitamin C? When do you apply them? And I just would look at like eight articles that had a different opinion on it so that I could like be like, what's the actual chemistry of what's happening here to make a more informed decision. And now I kind of have all these pieces, yes, from the internet and from all these things that are like, I know what works for me. And I, I kind of know what to recommend to other people who have certain issues now. So, cause there's a lot of info and there's a lot of, 
Unfortunately, with the cosmetics industry in America, there's also a lot of products that do more harm than good that nobody really talks about. Like I will bring up sunscreen again. I use zinc oxide sunscreen, micronized zinc, because chemical sunscreens are horrible for your skin. They actually have been linked to causing acne, causing irritation and causing damage to your collagen barrier. So like chemical sunscreens are avobenzone, octosalate, homosalate, octocrylene. And those are basically in every cheap sunscreen ever. Neutrogena, L'Oreal, you know, Coppertone, it's all chemical sunscreens like that. Basically, these molecules are synthetic compounds that are man-made and they block the sun for a certain amount of time. And then they break down into their base molecule, uh, base elements, which basically means that they're a free radical now. And, you know, free radicals are horrible for your skin, stuff like that. Like you put a chemical sunscreen on and it can actually cause irritation and break down your skincare or your skin as it like reacts with things on your face. So, um, that's just like yeah. the things like that in the industry that like nobody actually knows about because it's advertised, you know, like, Oh, well, Neutrogena is a good brand. Obviously they wouldn't sell me something that's bad. And it's unfortunate. Cause it's like, you actually do have to know what products you're using because mm-hmm. a lot of them are not good to use on your face at all whatsoever, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. I used to use a lot of different products like that, like Neutrogena, clean and clear stuff like that and then Mm -hmm. I just did a bunch of research and learned Mm -hmm. that there's so much stuff in that that's honestly making it worse and then I just stopped washing my face like that the (laughs) fragrance is so bad yeah yeah yeah. I just stopped using like all those kinds of cleansers and my skin Mm -hmm. stopped having like cystic acne Mm -hmm. I think it was like really causing huge problems it's it's crazy how much like we don't realize irritation is actually contributing to acne like we'll you know, we'll use a product that's supposed to clear our acne and it'll either make it worse or not clear it up. And we're like, I don't know why it has salicylic acid. And I'm, I'm like using it religiously. Why isn't it working? And it's like a lot of times it's because it's irritating your skin so much and destroying your moisture barrier that like your skin, even if there are some benefits, like it's killing bacteria, your skin is still so irritated that it's like overproducing oil. So right. At a certain point, I just stopped using all of my products just to see how my face would Mm, react. mm -hmm. And that helped a lot. And then I slowly added stuff back in that I thought Mm -hmm. had good ingredients that wouldn't irritate me. It was very Mm -hmm. helpful because I didn't realize how harmful the products that people say would help your skin. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how harmful those were. Especially like the moisture barrier. You've got to maintain Mm -hmm. the moisture barrier. (laughs) It's key. I have been inspired to have one single element of face skincare routine. One, one single mm-hmm. thing. It's going to be sunscreen. Um, there you go. <laughs> so would there you, you go. say, cause you were talking about earlier how you get a lot of different products um, sent to you to try yes. out. Would you say mm-hmm. that that irritates your skin at all? Like using many different products from different companies how does that work for you? That's a great question. Cause there's a lot of influencers who get a lot of products and yeah, it like, it's not recommended to try 70 products at once, you know, just to like your skin has to have a sort of uptake for each product of like getting adjusted to it. So I do get a lot of products. There's certain, I think I know my skincare chemistry well enough to where like, I know if a product is going to irritate me, if I just start using it, like, like I just got a new face oil from Lova, I think it was called, but it was all pure plant oil extracts that I had already, I already had products that were similar to it. So I knew I wasn't going to like freak out if I just incorporated this oil and I didn't, I started using it. It's great. It's just an oil. It behaves just like my other oils. So it's, it's nice. But if I were to get a product that was like specifically an exfoliator or specifically for acne or, you know, had certain ingredients that I knew were irritants, then I would be more cautious to just like start using it right off the bat. But that being said, I don't recommend every product that I receive. It's very open-ended of like, if I get something and it doesn't work for me, or I don't feel comfortable, like starting to use it and then stopping using it. I'm just honest with that. You know, I like a lot of times I will get a product and I'll say, Hey, I got this product. I haven't tried it yet, but here's what it says about it. If you want to check it out. I only like recommend stuff if I have tried it for a certain period of time. So, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, what would advice would you give men who 
don't think they need to do any skincare. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's up to an individual's level of caring or level of like what they want for their skin. But I would say like just in general, like it's definitely good to start moisturizing and wearing sunscreen for men in general. I know a lot of men don't want wrinkles as they get older and you don't have to be using the most expensive, crazy serums in the world, but like the way to start is moisturizing and um, using sunscreen. I am a gay man and I don't care <laughs> if some things that I do are considered feminine, such as, you know, whatever skincare I use or wearing makeup for a shoot, whatever it is, I don't care. But I think a lot of straight men are concerned about like, if I do skincare, if I care about my skin, that that makes me gay or that makes me feminine or less of a man or whatever it is. And I think that skincare like that has to tie into grooming, quote unquote, of like, it's just self-care. There's nothing masculine or feminine about caring about your skin. It's just self-care, you know? And if you want to look young and healthy for a while, that doesn't make you any less of a man. That just makes you somebody who cares about their bodies and their health. And also straight men, I will tell you from all of the girlfriends I have, girls care when guys have good skin. You know, a lot of times straight men are like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. Nobody cares about my skin. And it's like, I have plenty of friends who are like, wow, that guy's so attractive because his skin is so nice and clear and even it matters. Yeah, <laughs> you <sure>. know. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's, that's literally a perfect, uh, perfect note to end on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It matters. Do you have any like final, final things to say about just kind of just like taking care of yourself, the importance of that, just like some final words about that? Yeah, totally. So like whatever, you know, whatever profession you're in doesn't have to be acting or modeling. I do think it's important to take care of your body and take care of your skin and take care of your health in general. It helps you live feeling more positive about yourself. It helps your confidence. It helps the way you interact with other people. So if you can find a routine that works for you, that you are eating healthy and going to the gym and doing skincare, there's nothing specific about that. I think everybody needs to have a self-care routine that is their own, that they adhere to. And I would encourage anybody who wants to make good impressions and, you know, look good and feel good to start implementing some kind of routine like that. (laughs) Yes, that's fantastic. I am definitely inspired to take better care of myself overall. I feel like I do an okay job, but definitely not a good job. I ate half a pizza before we recorded this. So it was a flour crust. It was gluten-free. There you go, gluten-free. It it was not dairy-free, but we'll get there. Um, okay. So we're going to wrap up this part. We do usually play a game with our guests called not my cup of tea. So Uh, we're going to put together. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with that. Is there anything that you do where people are like, that's weird, but you're like, I swear by it. Oh man. Oh, well, plenty of things. Let's see. (laughs) You're like, I am like, he's like, (laughs) I am a freak. I literally am a freak. (laughs) No, honestly, though. Okay, that's that's what I was going to say, though. The fact that I religiously sleep on my back because I'm actually I was a natural side sleeper and I sleep on my back no matter what. J-Lo. J-Lo was the one who recommended this. (laughs) She said sleep on your back because sleeping on your side on your pillow, A, it rubs off all the serums and B, it actually makes eye wrinkles from tugging at that skin. Oh, I sleep on my back now and I, I literally will sleep like. To keep myself from rolling over, I will sleep with my arms above my head like this, like on the pillow so that I can't like roll around. Oh my gosh. And when people see that, they're like, that's so weird. Why do you sleep with your arms above your head? And I'm like, for my skin. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're going to put this in. This is going to be the beginning of the segment right here. Um, Do you feel like it was hard to... Was it hard to adjust to sleeping like that? Absolutely. I hated it (laughs) for like the first month. I hated every second of it. Couldn't fall asleep, was so restless, felt so uncomfortable. And then I hit a point where like it became comfortable. And now I'm like, I'm almost like uncomfortable when I, if I sleep on my side, because I've just adjusted to sleeping on your back. Also, it's apparently better for your organs to sleep on your back anyways. So 
That okay. makes sense. Probably better for your back, you honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is. I was, uh, I have so many back problems. We're not even going to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we are going to go into our segment of not my cup of tea, which if mm-hmm. you haven't listened before, we just ask people things and we ask them if that's their cup of tea or not. So we're yeah. doing not my cup of tea. Um, it was also renamed by Jeremy to do you fuck with that? Yeah. Do you fuck with that? Our, our <sighs> one of our last guests. I love that. So it's, it's either, is it your cup of tea or do you fuck with that? So, okay. So first one, which we both have as our first one and we didn't plan it is like a face roller, like a jade roller. Yeah. What do you think of that? In the free, like the ones you put in the freezer? Not my cup of tea. Really? Um, Can you tell us why? It's basically taking the place of an ice cube. Mm -hmm. The only reason people use it is because it's cold. The fact that it's made of jade has absolutely no benefit to your skin for <laughs> like whatever holistic witch doctor will tell you it the fact that it's made of jade doesn't mean anything it's just the coldness that tightens up your skin so i would just say use an ice cube it's a lot cheaper that's good yeah, to know it is cheaper okay so right. what about like those face brushes that uh like spin or whatever and they're supposed to get deep into your pores oh like what, the cleaning mm-hmm. ones yeah. what do you think about those from as somebody who has used them in the past not for me because honestly more times than not it just irritates your skin because it's too abrasive if you want to exfoliate your skin use an exfoliant like you know what i'm saying use an enzyme exfoliant or an acid exfoliant but like for a lot of people rubbing their skin like that with a brush all over their face is honestly doing more harm than good so i would just say you know if you have one that's a really gentle head then use it but anything more abrasive i would just say go for a product Mm -hmm. that does that work in its place? Yeah. yeah. So, Sometimes know. it also like holds the bacteria if you don't so, like, wash that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're using yeah. like you're using a brush that's like been in the shower somewhere. Like I would rather just start fresh every time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they're Here's, expensive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, here's one because yeah. you talked about doing a face mask. What is your take mm. on those like peel-off masks? So the ones that you like, it's basically like a like a goo. Like the blackhead masks? Yeah, you like mm-hmm. put it, but you put it all over your face. Oh, okay, yeah. And then it dries and then you have to peel it off. What do you think of those? <laughs> I have used a couple of those myself. They're fun, but like, honestly, what I've found is a lot of times the appeal of those masks is the fact that it's a pretty color. It has glitter in it. It smells like mangoes or something like that. But the actual benefits of it, like there's nothing that you could get from one of those masks that you couldn't get from like a sheet mask or yeah. you know, a skincare product. Because like mm-hmm. I've, I've used one that like it had glitter in it and I was just experimenting and it was like, it was nice. But then I looked at the ingredients and it was like copolymer 40 fragrance, you know, like all these crazy chemicals that like, and like the actual gar gum that like makes up the gum that like, or the mask that you have to peel off. The only active ingredients was like aloe vera gel and like peppermint oil. And I was like, I could get that from something else because those yeah. honestly irritate my skin. Like peeling them off like hurts for me. It hurts yeah. so, so bad. Mm-hmm. I think people just love the satisfying like idea of mm-hmm. like getting stuff out of your skin. But to be honest, exactly. you don't always need to get mm-hmm. stuff out of your skin. Sometimes it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you're and literally I will say- peeling like a layer of your skin off. Yeah, you are. And a lot of times those masks too, I've noticed they kind of wreck your moisture barrier. Like when you peel it off, your skin is very dry and you have to like go over after that. Cause it's kind of like peeled all the oil out of your skin. I will say specifically, if you're going to use one of those peel masks for like the nose area to like clear blackheads, I could totally be on board with that. I just think when you use it on the more sensitive parts of your skin, like your cheeks and your forehead, then it's kind of unnecessary. But if you're, you know, if you're going at those blackheads, go for it. But as somebody who used to have a lot of blackheads and who used to use these masks, I have found products that have cleared my blackheads. So now I don't have to use those masks. So I would say like the the least irritation you can have with your skin, the better. If you can use a product that clears it versus like yanking something off of your nose to try to get them out, that's like a lot better way to do it. Yeah. So. How about those masks? They're not even like masks, but it's like almost like a face shield, like a helmet. And then it's like light Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be like light therapy. Yes. Yes. Oh, I am glad you mentioned that because I will actually say that I totally stand behind LED therapy. I go into a clinic and get LED therapy every month. So blue light therapy, red light therapy, and combo therapy like that. 
the ones at the clinic are obviously higher powered. Um, but basically like red light is known to increase collagen, increase blood flow, support circulation, and then blue light actually kills acne bacteria on your skin. And from experience using these treatments, my skin does feel tighter after doing these treatments. And I notice like a reduction in irritation and less problems with breakouts right after I do one of these treatments. So if you have one of those little masks, obviously if it's like a Neutrogena one, it's not as high powered, you know, and it's not going to deliver the same results as like a clinical treatment. But that being said, you also have it at your house. So you could use it like every couple nights if you wanted to. So I think it's like, it's definitely worth giving a shot if it works for you. Hmm. Interesting. Cause I've, yeah, I've seen those little plastic ones that like go over your face and I'm like, honestly, go for it. I've had a couple handheld devices that worked very well. So I would say, check mm-hmm. it out. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. We both put this one. Um, chocolate hummus. Yes. Um, we were just talking about this. I do love chocolate hummus. I actually have some, um, right here because Nicole was actually the one who showed me chocolate hummus. Um, when I came to visit her, I know we're, we're like talking about healthy living here, but like, I know sometimes you got to have the good stuff. I will say about this, it's still dairy free. It's still all Mm -hmm. of that. You know, like I still haven't fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to have some sweet stuff. Here Definitely has more protein right. because of the chickpeas. That's also true. <laughs> more protein. protein. I feel like it's not as bad as like if you were to eat pudding or like Nutella. Mm-hmm. But it tastes exactly. like pretty much the same. It tastes super good. It's I yeah. think it's better. It's like lighter. It's yeah. more like a fluffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like a mousse. It's more almost. like a batter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A batter, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Either way. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> This is not really like a not my cup of tea, but like more of a preference thing. Do you put the toothpaste on the toothbrush first or the water first? <gasps> uh. <laughs> <laughs> we hit a soft I put, spot. I put the water on the toothbrush first and then the toothpaste because here's what I don't understand. You're going to put toothpaste on a toothbrush and then run it underwater and risk a dislodging the piece of toothpaste into the sink or B like diluting the toothpaste and letting some of it like run off of the brush down the drain. You're wasting toothpaste by putting water over it. Get the brush wet first, then put the toothpaste on it because you will lose none of the toothpaste that you just dispensed and you'll have a seamless brushing experience. So true. King. So true. Guys, I do both. I wet the toothbrush, <laughs> then I put toothpaste on it, then I wet it again. That's just overkill. Uh, wow. Oh my goodness. Nicole said she needed that. water in her mouth. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, just take a sip and then put the brush in. This Gee. Bitch is just thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, okay. If you want to drink water, Nicole, there's there's better methods. I think I don't know. Feels like the toothbrush is the only way. Um, oh man. Or okay. else you have to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> I can't true. imagine that. Okay. The next one is uh, hot yoga. Do you like hot yoga? Oh, we were just talking about Yes. Oh, okay. I love hot yoga because basically when you walk in, it feels like as warm as a nursing home. And the first, <laughs> the first time I went to hot yoga, I literally was like, I walked in and I was like, I want my apartment to feel like this all the time. No. Like I just, I run yeah. cold all the time. I'm always Same. cold. I'm always looking for a jacket. My apartment, my heat is literally always on. If it drops below 70 degrees, I freak out. So I walked into hot yoga and I literally was like, I am home. I'm home. Like, this is where I belong. I want to be here at all times. And like, we did the session and like everybody was sweating, but frankly, I wasn't even sweating because I was just comfortable. Like I felt good. Like this is the temperature I was. Yeah. I went with my friend Maddie and she was like dabbing her head with a towel. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And I was like all <laughs> fresh and glowy, like not even sweaty. So, yeah. Hot yoga I love hot yes. yoga, but Nicole's like, you could not catch me dead. You literally couldn't <laughs> pay me to do hot yoga. She hates the really? heat. Really? I oh. hate the heat so much. I could if just goes, lay on that floor for um, hours. If it goes above 70 <laughs> degrees in my apartment, I freak out. I'm like, not for no. me. What? I'm at 78 right now. No! Just- <laughs> <laughs> that's too hot i'm probably at like Dude, i didn't put it there it was it was 77 degrees today in la oh. so i didn't oh. like put my heat on but i am comfortable with the fact that it's that hot in my apartment just because it's comfy 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I agree mm-hmm. completely. This is, yeah, Justin, mm-hmm. Mark is a sociopath. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Justin, breaking news. Like, I actually don't feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> heat, I don't feel heat core emotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. The last one that we always do for everybody is um, hot dogs. So polarizing. Uh, I have so much on this. Um, the answer sure. is absolutely a hundred percent. No, because <laughs> I, I mean, a it's red meat B it is processed red meat, which is in the same category as spray paint. No, no, no. Spray paint inhalation, excuse me. And drywall <laughs> in terms of how carcinogenic it is. It's like inhaling spray paint, uh, for your body right. when you eat a hot dog. It's like, so, doing, it's like doing a whip it. Yeah, exactly. Like the amount of cancer causing chemicals in a hot dog is astronomical and I would never go close (laughs) ever. ever. The fact that they literally have to clean the meat batter with ammonia before they even that just should tell you they literally have to disinfect the meat before they put it in a freaking like tube and sell it to you like that is just no. Oh, never, 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 never. I am shook. That's horrifying. That is horrifying. The fact um, that the hot dog is like America's sweetheart and like the ball game sweetheart is just appalling to me. Like, I'm like, yeah. this country is not broken because of politics. It's broken because we like hot dogs. <laughs> We're not divided on politics. We're divided on. Meat. No, exactly. It's the meat. It is the processed meat. The meat. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That's why I I'm just have dead. my my obligatory once a year hot dog and I'm good. <laughs> When do you have there you it? Go. Just whenever I feel like it. <laughs> it's just you wake up on a Sunday morning, you're like, today's the day. I'm going to have my obligatory hot dog today. <laughs> today is the day that I will consume a wiener. That's, oh. that's how it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, I've had many of those days. Uh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, like. <laughs> I was like, honestly, today. Today, I just there's a that lot thought. of like hot dog substitutes like beyond like, beef or something like that exactly a lot better I, yeah but like it never like fully completes my craving of a hot dog so uh-huh. I'll just use that to like kind of mm-hmm. stave off the craving for like months and months and then I'll indulge in <laughs> my thing is like months. exposure like if I had never had a hot dog I wouldn't know what I was missing you know what I'm saying like I wish I never ate I one I wish I didn't know it's yeah. like hot dogs not even I'm not gonna just, like, I'm not gonna expose <laughs> I'm not going to expose my children to the horrors of hot dogs. Like they're never going to know. There's, it's going to be like a bad word in our house. <laughs> they're like fuck, and you're like that's fine. And you're like hot dogs. So like, what yeah, do you, know. say? Like, Go don't to your you room. dare! Don't you dare! <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You don't have to eat hot dogs every day because of this. <laughs> oh it's, man! Oh, it's like you yeah. see them eat a hot dog, and it's like you know when. <laughs> parents catch their kids smoking and they'll make them smoke the yeah. whole pack you'll make them eat the yeah, whole yeah. pack of hot dogs <laughs> they're like oh. never again here's also the thing that i didn't know until like recently which is surprising i didn't know that hot dogs are already fully cooked in the package and you just have to heat them up but you frankly could like eat them straight out of the package and be fine <laughs> i knew that <laughs> That's just no pun intended. Frankly, frankly. Oh Oh man. No, but I just, I thought you had to cook them. And so like, I would always like nuke the hell out of them to like, make sure they were done. And my dad would be like, you don't need to cook them that much. They're like literally brown. And I'm like, but it's raw meat. And he's like, these are already cooked. So yeah, that's pretty gross that they're already cooked though. Yeah. That's like the already bacon that you can get at the store. It's like, it's not good. The bacon, it's just like in a box on a dry shelf. It's like not even the fact that it's already cooked and it's still that light of a color. I'm like, what was it cooked with? Like, like it was it steamed i think they're steamed or something but i'm like are we sure there's nothing growing on there still like yeah i don't know yeah that's a good call oh my gosh you honestly need to nuke them so you can get all the bad stuff out of them before you eat them yeah yeah plot twist this entire episode was a campaign against hot dog consumption Oh my gosh. Uh, That's a good one to end on. That was one of the funniest Mm -hmm. time I cup of cheese segments we've ever done. Yeah, agreed. So, okay, well, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. This was Mm -hmm. so fun. Such a good episode. Thank you guys for having me. This was very fun. Of course. It was really nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, it was great to meet you as well. 
Um, if anyone wants to see your beautiful face or learn more about skincare tips, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at it's Mark Young. Um, that includes the ITS, by the way, it's at ITS Mark Young. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, I don't really use Facebook because Facebook is kind of dead. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm also Mark Young on YouTube and I have a couple of skincare videos up there. So you can find there. So Perfect. Cool. yeah. All right. Facebook is dead. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find us at So Good So Far podcast and you can find me at Jackie's Attic. You can find me at Nicole Pogrin and we will talk to you guys next week. Yep. Have a good week. All right. Bye. Bye. I was like chewing through that question. So oh. maybe we ask it. <laughs> maybe say it again. Uh-huh. <laughs>